Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host, Denise Messenger, for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent, I stands for using your intuition, N stands for networking, and K stands for obtaining knowledge. Preserve and protect your health by listening live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Well, hello, listeners. Thank you so much for joining us today, which is December 9th, 2015. I cannot believe where the year has gone. I'm really looking forward to this interview today. It is a departure from our conventional medical informative shows and we do this once a year. It you know, I believe that it's a good thing to step outside our comfort zones and to explore new topics and paradigms. I'm really fascinated to talk with today's guest and I'm going to do a little introduction. She is Dr. Eliza Medhus, and she wrote a book called Life After Death, A Memoir from Heaven. She's a physician and a mother of five, and she's practiced internal medicine in Houston, Texas for over 30 years. After the unfortunate death of her 20-year-old son, Eric, she began journaling um, over her grief, and she also has a blog called Channeling Eric. I'm going to let her continue the story, so I want to bring her onto our show now. Hello, Eliza. Hey, Denise. How are you? Great. Thanks for joining Good. us today. My pleasure. I, I typically Great. I typically start my show out by asking my guests how they got on the path that they're on today. Um, it's pretty obvious <laughs> with with our show content how you got on this path. Oh, yes. But I'm yes. curious... I'm curious as to um, why you became a doctor first. Oh, that's a good question. Well, my parents were physicians, and uh, I just was enamored with the way my my, uh, parents were with their patients. The kind of connection they had was just magical, and I wanted that also. So, um, and I also love detective work, and being an internist, you're a diagnostician which means you try to figure out, oh, weight loss and fever, what could they have? So that part I found very enthralling. So uh, I guess those are the two main reasons why I did what I did. Yeah, that that makes sense. You know, you grew up in that environment and all. Well, Absolutely. let's just jump right in. Let's just jump right into this topic because I just can't wait let's to talk to you about it. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> let's be brave. So... Exactly. <laughs> so your entire life you you spent entrenched in the medical field. And what 
you know, was like, how did you realize that all of a sudden you could communicate with your son in the afterlife? I mean, how did this come about? Oh, that's a that was a actually a very long journey. When Eric died, you know, obviously I was beyond devastated. I, you know, I think losing a child has to be the worst thing that can happen to a person, particularly a mother. And what made it worse for me, and I know it's bad for everybody, but, you know, I, I am a physician. So my entire background is science. And science taught me that if you couldn't perceive it with your senses or measure it with an instrument, it didn't exist. And when Eric was gone, I couldn't do those things. Plus, on top of that, just to make matters worse, I was raised by atheists. So now I wasn't an atheist, but I really, because of that, didn't have you know any kind of belief system about what happens after we die and and so that left me unable to answer the questions that would become the most important ones in my life and that's does eric exist anymore and if he does where the heck is he wow but then my atheist father this is three days after eric's Mm. death and i'm going to tell you that he's not just an atheist. He, he was actually a militant atheist, meaning he was very belligerent with anybody who believed in life after death and would okay. scorn them, ridicule them, etc. Sorry, Dad. But uh, but but it's true. <laughs> and and he called me uh-huh. uh, in a panic three days after his death, saying that he was sitting in his chair reading a newspaper or something. When all of a sudden he looks up and there's Eric standing in front of him, sort of see-through, but clearly there. And he told me, oh, my gosh, I don't know what to believe. I'm so startled. And then I thought, well, you know, this is not the kind of guy, and I hate to uh, paint a a dark picture of him, but he's not the kind of guy to make this up to make somebody feel better. It really happened to him. And so I decided at that point to go ahead and start researching life after death or you know i read so many articles on consciousness survival near-death experiences parallel dimensions you know everything i could quantum physics behind spirituality um and uh and that started my path um in 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 your discoveries what has made your situation different um from from other parents that have lost their children in other words, they haven't had the experience of the after-death experience with their child. Well, have I think you, a lot of people Have you found do, the answer to that? Have you no, found the answer to that? I, you know, I'm not sure. I just know that I've talked to a lot of parents, and so many of them have had contact with their child. But ours is a culture, the Western culture, where you die, you're buried, you're cremated, that's it. Let them go in peace. Give them to God, turned. But I have learned in my very bumpy journey that that's not really true. When you lose, well, you don't lose them. When somebody you love dies, uh-huh. they just lose their body and, and trans, uh, transition into this alternate dimension that's right on top of our dimension. That's the only difference. They don't have the mental or physical illnesses that may have plagued that body in in life, but they are just Mm -hmm. the same, and they don't want to be forgotten, and there's certainly no reason why you cannot continue to have a relationship with them. So I have learned this, but now I'll tell you, I, you know, frankly, 
Mm-hmm. Did not want to believe that Eric existed. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but it, it's so true because, you know, I was such a skeptic, and I was afraid to believe with all my heart in this and then find out it was all nonsense because, you know, that would be like losing Eric all over again. But permanently. Of course. So even though he would do just crazy stuff, Denise, like turn water faucets on all the way, um, create airsoft BBs at the ceiling and have them drop to the floor, uh, make oh. unplugged, unpowered appliances work, uh, lock deadbolts while we wash. I mean, he, he, I saw him actually jumping on the foot of my bed. And, you know, I remember this. I went to bed. This is like three months after Eric died. Went to bed. I wasn't particularly tired, but before I could even lay down, there was Eric jumping from one foot of the bed to the to the next, to the ne- back and forth. And there was my sister Denise, who had died uh, previously, Mm-hmm. looking at him and, and grinning. And I kept watching. I said, I can't believe this. That's Eric. Jeez. And I followed him going back and forth. And all of a sudden, he looks at me and looks completely startled and says, Mom, you can see me. And he just jumps into my arms and we hug. It was just all too brief, unfortunately. But but still, time would pass. Doubts would creep in. And so what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is this is not the wishful thinking of a grieving mother here. I really fought it the, the entire way. Well, the fact that you could see him, was it, did it look, what did, what did that look like to you? Oh, was he was. In, in a complete human form or could you oh, see yeah. through him? Was it ghost light? What was it like? No, he looked like himself, only a little bit transparent. A little bit transparent. But but when I hugged him, he felt completely solid, like when we hugged in the past. So wow. it, it was amazing. And then another time, he he called on the telephone, and um, <gasps> I was not in a particular mood to receive that phone call because it was during the campaign season, and we were getting all these robocalls that just drive you nuts. You know what I'm talking about, right, mm-hmm. Denise? Sure. Sure. And so I'm I'm sitting there trying so hard to work on the blog, channeling Eric, and uh, you know I have a tough time typing anyway because it's like when I start to tap on a computer keyboard, my all my fingers turn into chicken drumsticks. So it's it's really tough. <laughs> and not only that, I have the attention span of a gnat embryo. So here's this call coming in and ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing. It's like, oh, my God, please, there's the machine. Pick up. What was, I, what was I about to type? Wait, what was I thinking? And finally it picked up, and there was Eric. Mom, it's me, Eric. It's me. And, oh, geez, I just flew to the phone, grabbed it, but I didn't get it in time. Here's the kind of weird thing, though. It did not leave a message on the answering machine. He apparently bypassed that. And the, the message count was zero. Plus, it was some weird 12-digit number. And I called the number, and uh, it, it was not a working number. Oh. But, but it took actually having a recording of his voice that made me go from, like, hovering at 90% uh, sure. And this is, like, up until four years after his death uh, to 100% sure. And that's where I am now because... About a year and a half um, after we did a recorded session with the me- with a medium, Jamie Butler, mm-hmm. 
a blog member contacted me and said, Elisa, look, I, I heard a couple of voices on, on your recording. And I thought, well, no, that's not impossible. I mean, it's not possible because it was just Jamie and I, or Jamie and me. And uh, so, of course, I listened to it. And, yep, there were three voices there, and one was definitely Eric's. I mean, Denise, I, I know the sound of my own kid's voice. Every mother does. I mean, he had this sure. way, for example, of saying breakfast like a little kid, like breakfast. That was there. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. had that special verbal tick that sounded like he was clearing his throat. Um, I heard him pacing. That kid could pace. He paced constantly. And uh, so I, I was obviously a scientist in me, so, well, you know, it's, it's my son, but, I, you know, let me check this out. So I had it analyzed by a sound professional who said, yep, this, these are not human voices. For one, None of the voices left oh. a, a voice signature, including Eric's. Gee. So here I am, 100% sure, never going to go back. Mm. And that was, um, all this activity was happening up to four years oh, upon yeah. his death? Mm-hmm. And were you a believer at that point, or were you just kind of like... Uh, oh, I wasn't. A, I <laughs> wasn't I, no, I didn't fully believe, and you know... Like I said, doubts would creep in even after what seemed like indisputable evidence until I had that EVP, the, the sound of his voice. And even before that, shortly after Eric died, I was walking to his room, and I don't know why I would ever want to go into that room again. I still hate it. Ooh. And my my uh, second eldest daughter was following me, Michelle. Michelle and, and Eric had a very close connection. Um, it okay. was, you know... It, it was, you know, a, a very tumultuous one relationship, but it was very close. And uh, for some reason, while we were walking down the hall, she got this feeling of his presence. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so there was there happened to be a digital camera sitting on the table right next to the hallway. She picked it up, started snapping pictures. And when we looked at them afterwards, one of them was this bright orb, this glowing light with a comet's tail indicating some sort of movement. So not like a dust particle or lens artifact, uh-huh. et cetera. So I took that to a photography expert, actually two of them. And they both took the gamma down, and I'm really not sure what that is, so please don't give me a, a pop quiz on it. And um, <laughs> and they said that by doing that, they were able to prove that it's, it's it was its own light source. You could even see it emitting a light on nearby structures. So that was really helpful to me too. But again... Yeah, the scientists yeah, for, to me always you're, you're needed that, that extra proof. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You're getting some scientific data. So then then what happened? Well, all this was all these pranks were happening and I was you know, recording journaling my grief. You know, I created Channeling Eric because mm-hmm. I wanted a place to vent my pain and uh and oh I was in so much pain. And I wanted to ha- people to have a place where they could have the same avenue but feel protected and supported. And I also shared the pranks and so on and so forth. Now, after I finished my research, or at least read all the books that I can understand, uh, mm-hmm. I went ahead and decided to try out a medium because I heard that a lot of parents do that, usually out of desperation, and I didn't have anywhere else to go, Denise. So I called True. one, Jamie Butler. And, How did you uh, find her? A blog member gave me her name, 
And I'll tell you, if she had asked me five years before that, you know, think about a medium. I would have thought about a, a gypsy hunched over a crystal ball. I was in that <laughs> mindset. But, uh, but anyway, she only knew my name and my PayPal account, of course. And um, she was able to say, she was able to say right away, your son is here, and he said he took his life. And uh, she went on to say how he did, uh, where he was. He was sitting at his desk in his room, uh, the fact that he used a gun, you know, and, and what kind of gun it was, and even the exact description of the of the clothes he was wearing. And uh, she was even able to capture capture his personality which is very mischievous, very rascally, uh, great sense of humor, and his uh, his uh, language is peppered with sailor talk. So she had a hard time with dropping the F-bombs, though. But I said, look, don't worry. Go on. I, I know it's him just because of what you're saying. So anyway, I was mm-hmm. so impressed that I booked others. And, um, and Eric, on many of these recorded sessions, has actually come through with his voice, um, in one, for example, uh, somebody was interviewing us, and she called me afterwards and said, Elisa, I heard your son. He just shouted out, minions, really loudly, and we didn't hear it live. So I listened to the time st- at the timestamp she gave me, and yep, there's, this, there's Eric shouting, minions, really loudly. And then Jamie uh, right away says he's calling them minions translating him and again this is only heard on the recording not heard live wow so then what happened so basically i now i i ask for for the blog members uh it's transformed into asking eric who is our little insider in heaven about the nature of death what the afterlife is all about what life as a spirit is like. Um, are their emotions different? Are their senses different? We talk about big concepts like God and love and time and, and so on. And uh, we ask about anything, like our tarot cards are really true, things like that. And mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and and now it's really interesting. Eric loves the, the peeps. We call them the peeps uh, and channeling Eric. And we're all very close, and he pranks them a lot. So, in fact, it's so frequent that they, prank, that they get pranked that he has his own little button on the blog, share your story, because everybody has – so many people have been pranked all over the world uh, by Eric. I remember one of the first huh. ones, this guy in um, Ireland, Damien. And he contacted me and told me, um, Dr. Matthews, I just saw your son. He was standing in front of me. I recognized his picture from the blog, you know. And he said that Eric said, hey, dude, I bet I could tell you how far away your girlfriend is from you. And uh, (laughs) at that time, the girlfriend was living in, uh, I think, Canada, so quite a a far ways away. And so Damien said, "Um, okay. So Eric gave him a number of kilometers, and it was like right within like a meter or two. It was just amazing. And Eric later said that he got in trouble for doing that because he's like, okay, you're supposed to make a difference in people's lives. You're not supposed to do things like that. So he was in the doghouse, I guess. <laughs> so all the the conversations that you've had with Eric, um, you were saying on a lot of different topics, what's the most what do you consider the most important piece 
or insight that he shared with oh, you? Oh, gosh, so many things. I think, well, for, first let me digress and say that transcribing his memoir, you know, I did not write My Life After Death, a memoir from heaven. I transcribed what he what was channeled from him. So it's it's his okay. book. And just transcribing all the details of you now it was admittedly very difficult for me to transcribe all the details surrounding his death because there were things I learned that I wish I did not know now. But then to hear okay. all about you know, his goodbyes to us, his attending his funeral, his crossing over, his life review, you know, his first look at heaven, the ex- further exploration of heaven, what his life as a spirit is like, et cetera. I have so much detail that I, I almost don't grieve over him anymore. It's almost like I just miss him, Denise. Like, well, sure. y- you know how you're like a parent and, and you have uh, a kid mm-hmm. studying abroad in Germany, yeah. and you know they're going to come back with all the dirty laundry one day. That's how I feel now right. because I know so much detail. I forgot oh, your original question, geez. but I was, that was just a digression. What was it? Well, it, it was about, of all the things you've talked to him about, what oh, what, yes. what yes. would you say is has been the most significant or it's meant the most to you? Well, I think when he talks about our human experience, because he gives so much practical advice. For example, he says that we are human beings, but we're really emotional beings. And I'm not saying we're emotional and we get all teary and all that. We are emotion. Mm-hmm. We are made of emotion. Emotion is energy. Uh, everything is mm-hmm. energy. Uh, even matter. Einstein referred to as frozen sure. light. We are energy. Uh, we, our world just happens to be in a very tiny, tiny sliver called the visible range on this big, huge electromagnetic spectrum. Anything below that or above that, we can't see, so we think, well, it doesn't exist. Spirits vibrate at a frequency well above uh, the, the visible range, and you know that's why we can't see them. And everybody has microwaves. Uh, when you when you say spirits, are you saying that every one of us is a spirit, or well, others are, that are spirits? Well, a, 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 we have our energetic body, which is our soul, and it happens to be carried around by a physical body. When you are out of the body after you die, that soul is just referred to as a spirit. That's it. And and that's okay. why okay. most people, not all, but most people can't see spirits because they vibrate well outside of that visible range. Gotcha. Interesting. I had heard something to this effect before on how there were different levels, you know, in the spectrum of... But But you really can't say it's life, can you, or can you not? That you can't say, oh yeah, life. Uh, life is basically. The, when you talk about the visible range and the um, electrical spectrum, mm-hmm. and that some of us vibrate within or you know above or below or whatever, is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then, um, and because we can't see. Mm-hmm. Those other levels, then what we're, what are we then? Well, we're we're just uh, souls in a physical body, and and our human experience is to create this reality that's a three D reality that lies within that whole world of matter. 
things that you can touch mm. and see and hear and smell and touch and and hear. And uh, when you're a free spirit, you don't have a physical body. You don't have any mass. So you're invisible, except to, obviously, mediums or certain mediums. But one of the things that Eric says about, you know, referred to us as emotional beings, and we're made of that energy called emotion, and we're, in fact, sentient energy that's self-aware, that's what we are, is that uh, we're supposed to feel first and then think but we don't do that. We think first, feel second. And so how we do it, and we're not supposed to, is we have a thought about something. And that evokes some sort of emotion. And that emotion triggers our reaction. It should be the opposite way. We should listen to our heart. We should feel first. Get in touch with our intuition, with our feelings. And then let that mm-hmm. create some sort of thought. And then let that thought craft some sort of reaction. Mhm. Mhm. Does that make sense? Well, I would think. Well, it does, but I would think that some of us have the ability to do that, and and we do. Oh yeah, some are very, but most of us are not. Most of us, um, you know, think well, first and then I, feel second. Yeah, but I mean, getting in touch with your intuition—that's kind of tricky. Oh, yeah. A lot of people just—they don't pay attention to it at all. That's right, and I've been guilty of that myself. But mm-hmm, uh, we've mm-hmm. been taught by society to look at external beacons and not internal ones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that makes it very difficult to get in touch with your emotions. And that goes along the, the, the lines of another thing that he teaches is the importance of emotional honesty, not only with others but with ourselves. And it's, it's, it takes a lot of courage to look inside and be honest with yourself. To eliminate mm-hmm. the kind of blame shifting or denial or rationalizations, excuses, justifications, and so on. But it's so powerful. And also being emotionally honest with others, very, very important. As long as you have uh, sound boundaries, up. you set your boundaries and don't let people walk all over you. And mm-hmm. he also mm-hmm. talks about how important vulnerability is. You know, all of us think, well, vulnerable, boy, mm-hmm. that's a sign of weakness. But it's actually not. Going around with an open heart with Good boundaries does take is does take courage and um, and it's very important to share your heart. Of course, it is. Well, how did this change your your um, your beliefs um, about religion? Well, I. I see a, pur- a purpose in organized religion, but I've, I've not really been very into it, and I don't know very much about it. But I know that some people need that well-worn path uh, and that sense of community. But mm-hmm. I, just, my perspective has just broadened so much. I mean, I I kind of get why we're here, you know, and, and that's a big one. I I know now that we're eternal beings, and I understand why we come here incarnate into bodies and live our lives the way we do. Why? Oh, I'll give you a great analogy. Uh, that's <laughs> Eric's. All Eric's. All Eric's. Uh-huh. First of all, um, when we're where he is in his dimension, we don't. They don't have contrast. Okay, you just you, you know concepts. Okay, yeah, you, but you have to in order to understand the concept of cold fully. You have to experience hot. You have to have that contrast to really really get it. 
And that's why they come to we come to Earth to, to experience duality, so that we can learn something not just from the conceptual um, standpoint, but from the experiential one too. It's like don't just take the organic chemistry course; take the lab too, so you can really know about it. So he uses the brownie analogy. I haven't eaten dinner yet, so I'm really starving. So this is going to be tough. But he says that there they can look at a picture of a brownie and read the recipe, and they get a good idea, conceptually speaking, of what a brownie is, but it's better to come down to earth, get in a body, um, mix up all the ingredients, get batter all over your clothes, in my case, my hair, and then you know, <laughs> pour it in a pan, stick it in the oven, burn your fingers maybe, you know. But then you cool the brownies off and you take a bite, and that's when you really, really know what a brownie is all about. And the thing we are specifically trying to learn are all the facets of love. And love, again, is another form of energy, is really all there is. And we are that that complex uh, spectrum of emotions called love. We are here to learn about every facet. So if you uh, are a spirit and you know you want to learn about that facet of love called forgiveness, you might hook up with another spirit and say, hey, dude, let's go down and get in bodies together. And, you know, I want to learn about forgiveness. So mm-hmm. why don't you we set it up where you betray me? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, then how does war on Earth enter into this? Oh, war. Eric says there will always be war. War sometimes is a spiritual contract created so that we learn how to unite, you know, against the, you know, in uh, for the greater good, basically. Hmm. In fact, hmm. you can look on our YouTube channel, uh, the Channeling Eric YouTube channel. We just interviewed the San Bernardino um, shooters, and it was really oh very difficult. Oh gosh, to hear. They had a great deal of remorse, but they said that it was their contract to create this horror, horrible, atrocious act, you know, that uh, because they were supposed to, as spirits, help um, help unite, help unite uh, humanity. And it has worked, but at what cost? And uh, they said that this is there's going to be more and more of this because humans will unite for a while, but then they'll forget about it. You know, 9/11 happened, and you know it's mm-hmm. out of sight, out of mind before long. And uh, and so um, you know we get stayed, things don't really stick very well. And so there's going to be this constant string of escalating um, horrors until we really get it and permanently realize how important it is to stay connected through love. That's a really fascinating hmm. interview. And it's... And, um, oh, by the way, I, will tell you, I, will, I have to tell you this, though. At, I think, timestamp 1214, we asked, uh, you know, I asked right before that if they were associated with um, ISIS and uh, or who were they associated with, and you hear the lady saying, ISIS, like that. It's very creepy. But she was also associated with Al Qaeda too, so they were not they were not a member of either of those groups. They were just influenced by both of them. And a lot of the stuff that came out in that interview is they were really finding out that there's truth behind it. And uh, again, where 
can our listeners find that interview? Well, it's on the blog, Channeling Eric, www.channelingeric, okay. Eric is spelled with a K, dot com, or you can go to YouTube, the YouTube, you know, YouTube, and, and put in Channeling Eric, and it'll take you right to my channel. There's all sorts of really okay. fascinating videos. Okay, that's great. Uh, for listeners who are just tuning in, we're talking with Elisa Medhus, and um, she's enlightening us really about um the afterlife and um what what it is what it's like after death what is um what would you tell eric if if you could see him again in a face to face what would you what would you say to him oh gosh come give mama a hug Mm-hmm. That's what I would tell him. Yeah. I want my hug. I, we were very close, very affectionate. We have a very affectionate family. And, uh, gosh, not a phone call would end without I love you. Nobody would leave the house mm-hmm. I love you. And so that hug, you know. I would well, say come back. Yeah, has he told you um, why he went? Yes, he said that also was a spiritual contract, that he designed it to come down and have sort of a miserable life. The poor guy, I mean, he had learning differences. And uh, I remember a math teacher called him stupid to his face in, in middle school of all Oh, things. that's horrible. You know, oh, no. The worst time to say something like that to a kid. And he had Tourette's and that he had these odd verbal tics and motor twitches. Muscle twitches, in other words, and um, and you know, at fourteen, he developed bipolar disease, and you know, very often, oh my gosh, bipolar disease is a oh terminal illness, you know, and in his case, it was. But because of the hardships, he learned so much about you know how to listen, how to be compassionate, and how to develop the tools he needed to become a spirit guide, and that's what he does now. He is a spirit guide. Oh, okay. He guides humans. Okay. He influences humans, and he does that for a lot of the blog members. He said that's a pretty common job there in heaven. You know, people can have different roles there. In fact, it's kind of like okay. a taxi cab in New York, New York City, he said. But, um, but you know, I could see how quickly he learned when he was in his body because, for example, I'll just give you a you know, quintessential Eric story that shows the skills he learned. He would very often go to the neighborhood Starbucks because, well, yeah, it was lonely. You know, he wanted to meet people. And he had friends, but they were not really good friends, to tell you the truth. They betrayed him so many times and bullied him and talked behind his back and, and, and such. But I think he also wanted to go there because he wanted to bum smokes because Dr. Mama was not going to let him smoke, okay? <laughs> so he, he, in no way. And now I wish I did just let him smoke whatever he wanted, of course. But And so, um, you know, he, he would sit there, and more often than not, strangers would just be drawn to him. They would sit, ask to sit down. They would talk, and he would listen and eventually they start pouring out their their sad life stories and start to cry and eric would Gee. always get up g- 
grab them a big hug and say, look, dude, I'm taking you home. My mom's going to make you a home-cooked meal. That was always a surprise to me because it's like I had shoved the, the, the Stover's lasagna frozen back into the freezer and run to the market real quick, but it was all worth it. So, Oh, that's so great. Yeah. Was there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners? Gosh, that perhaps so much. we haven't covered. Oh, uh, you know, heaven is apparently really beautiful. Although he says that when people take their lives because they want to go to mm-hmm. heaven, they want to leave their problems behind, it doesn't work out that yeah. way. You you take your problems with you. In fact, you create more for yourself because of the the enormous amount of grief you leave in your wake. And you're so aware, painfully aware, of every moan, of every heartbreaking, of every cry uh, from, from those you left behind. Plus, you're aware of all the missed opportunities. So say you were supposed to give birth to a child who was going to cure diabetes. Now that you've taken your life, that's not going to happen. Oh. And you're going to realize how many people are going to suffer and die. And it's really, really hard to take care of all that from the heaven side. It's a lot easier to to address those those things um, and address your problems um, from the earth, earthly side, so to speak. So, but uh, but Does he says there is love up there. Oh, that it's the unconditional love there is just amazing. He says, you know, it's just like bring you to your knees, weeping type of feeling. Um, it's just overwhelming, really. And for a while, he was like afraid because like how long can this last when's the other shoe going to drop when is this all going to end but it kept going you know he still felt that love he still does he said now will heaven, he go on forever there for eternity well now that is an interesting question because that is a question about time there is no time and einstein even said that there's no linear time rather we have to have that as a human construct because we have to get up in the morning, eat breakfast, and we have to have the before and the after. We have to have cause and effect. So we have to have, you know, we have to have our, our sequential language. So we have to have linear time, right? But there really is no linear time where they are. So you are actually living all your lives at the same time, past, present, and future, and your afterlife self, your higher self, hangs out in, in the afterlife. For all eternity. That's a hard That's a one. Tough concept to to to, to wrap your mind around. <laughs> well, let me give you a couple really of analogies. Is, you know? Eric, Eric's super good with analogies, so I'll give you a couple of his. All right. Okay. So, imagine a stack of books, and each one is are the different lives you are now leading, past, present, and future. You just happen to be reading the particular book that is your present life. That's what you're focused, you're, you have focused your consciousness on. There's another little strip of yourself, of your soul, that is looking at another book. Or you can look at it from the standpoint of a wagon wheel. So you got this wagon wheel, right? And at the hub is your higher self. That's where your soul is. And along all the spokes are the different lives you are leading, past, present, and future. 
And when you die in one life, that little tentacle of soul goes, you know, gets sucked back up into higher self, and another one comes back down the spoke to, lead, to be in a different incarnation. And as the wheel turns, it leaves um, tracks in the mud. That, that muddy track is the timeline, the linear timeline. It's still hard to gra- grasp, I know, but that helps me a little bit. Sure, sure. No, that is that is helpful. Really is. Well, I'm definitely going to have to read your book now. I think that it'll it'll help me um, understand it even more. So, well, in other words, your your has, experience. Yeah, the book you're going to love it. I'm not bragging because I didn't write it, so it's cool that I say these. Things. It's okay if I say these things, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's only got, it's gotten five star ratings. And if you read the Amazon reviews, people say, like, it's not only the best book of spirituality I've read, it's the best book I've ever read. I cried when it was over because I didn't want to finish it. It's just amazing Mm -hmm. some of the feedback. And, you know, by the time you're finished with it, you're not going to be afraid to die. You really aren't. And the mystery is all but gone about what happens after you die. And, And that's... That's, well, um, I'm gonna really important. I'm gonna purchase it. I'm gonna purchase it for a friend of mine because she she lost her son last year. Oh and gosh, I'm so sorry. She's she's been she's been reading everything she get her hands on, but mm-hmm. she hasn't heard about about your book. And yeah. I think it'd be a really nice thing for her. Yeah. One last question I have. Mm-hmm. For instance, in her situation where. Um, she has hasn't had um, any contact from him that I know oh, of. Oh, there's a reason for that, and I will tell you. But go ahead. Would it be advisable for her to find a medium to try that, or or is it that you have to wait until they contact you first? Oh no, go ahead, contact a medium. I've been using one that's very reasonable. Jamie Butler's really good, but now she's gotten to be very expensive. Um, and she's so booked up for well over a year. But um, if you email me, I'll I'll give you the name of one. Her name is Kim Babcock. She's at kimbabcock.net, and she's just amazing. How do you spell her last name? It's B-A-B-C-O-C-K dot net. Kim. Okay, got it. She's really good. But there's a reason why... You know, I was one of the last people to get a sign from Eric, too, because I was just in such deep grief. It's like, can I get out of bed in the morning? No, not today. And uh, the reason is when you are depressed, the vibrational frequency of your energy drops dramatically. So you get all the way down to the lower end of the visible range of the spectrum. And that's why we use terms like depression. I'm depressed, I'm feeling low, right? Because our the frequency of our energy is vibrating mm-hmm. at a very low frequency. Mm-hmm. And when you feel, mm-hmm. and you feel heavy, you feel dense, but when mm-hmm. you are in joy, that's why you say I'm as high as a kite, I'm over the moon, and you feel mm-hmm. light, you know, um, buoyant. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. and the problem is spirits, and some have harder, a harder time than others, have a hard time lowering their frequency to get all the way down to the very bottom of the visible range. It's hard for them. So you have to sort of meet them halfway 
and um, and sometimes it takes trying to remember some joyful memories. Sometimes watching your favorite stand-up comic will help to sort of raise your the vibration of your energy a little bit. It's hard for a lot of okay. mothers because they feel guilty when they sure. you know, when they laugh. You of know? course, they feel guilty when they feel happy after they've lost somebody. Uh-huh. But that's what they want right. you to feel, though. They want you to feel happy. Okay. Well, thank you so very much. Again, we've been talking with Elisa Medhus, MD. And she's the author of actually two books. The first one is My Son in the Afterlife, and then My Life After Death, a memoir from heaven, which her son wrote. And they're both available on Amazon, and she also has a very popular blog called ChannelingEric.com. Anything else you want to add before we close? No, you can join our Facebook group. We have a private face, uh, Facebook uh, group, Facebook group called Channeling Eric. You know, the Channeling Eric okay. group, I guess it's called. And if people want a safe place that's not public to talk about their beliefs and to okay. get the support, the the group is very tight knit. There's a lot of humor in it, believe it or not. And some of them become such great friends. They've traveled across the country to to meet each other. So it's kind of cool. And we have just a regular Facebook uh, group, uh, just a regular Facebook page, Channeling Eric, too. But if you want me to send you the manuscript uh, for the book, I can can do that. Just email me, okay? Yeah, why don't you um, – I don't think I have your email directly. Um, Your publicist has it. Oh, okay. So you want to? I don't want to say um, it on the air because I'll be bombarded. But exactly. Yeah. So go ahead and um, contact your publicist and um, send it to her, and then she can send it to me. How's that? And she might be, uh, just be able to send you some books. Maybe she has an extra book or two. So, yeah, go for it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, okay. It was wonderful meeting you. It was I wonderful meeting so you too. Today. Oh, thank, thank you. So I'm much. still learning. I'm still learning. <laughs> oh. Well, it's just been wonderful. Thank it was really special spending time with you. Thanks so much. Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Take care. <laughs> Bye. You too. Bye. Bye. All right, listeners, that wraps up our show for today. Please join us again next Wednesday. We'll have another fascinating guest, wonderful show lined up for you. Until then, be happy, be safe, be healthy. And I look forward to bringing you more enlightenment next week. Bye-bye for now. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have. And follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit gotcancernowwhat.com for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What?